Hello, everybody, and welcome to Method Meets Magic Radio with Jess and Dan. We are so, so excited to have you all here listening into the show today. Dan, how are you doing? I'm fabulous because I just got to dance with you and our new friend, David. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm so, so good. We're excited because today on the show, we have David Nagel and David Nagel is the founder of the multi-million dollar global coaching company, Life is Now Inc., helping thousands of entrepreneurs, experts, and self-employed professionals gain the confidence and find the right mindset to increase their revenue, turning their endeavors into seven and eight figure ventures. So being in the coaching and mentorship industry for more than 20 years, David has worked alongside other well-known mentors such as Bob Proctor, and Tony Robbins, and his clients include many well-known people, including New York Times number one best-selling author, Jen Sincero. Um, because of the results his clients have achieved along with his dedication, David's coaching has expanded to more than 30 countries, and he has been featured in Forbes, CBS, NBC, Wall Street Journal, Inc., HLN, Inc., Entrepreneur, and Fox. He's also the best-selling author of The Millions Within, a book focusing on intention, focus, and awareness to build your dream business and life. David, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. My pleasure. Happy to be here. We're so, so excited to interview you today and talk about what exactly we're at. We're on our abundance series, so we're excited to talk to you about what is an abundance mindset. So David, what is an abundance mindset to you? Wow, that's a big question. Um, I, the, I think the best way for me to, to break that down would be to say that an abundance mindset is a way that a person thinks when they're not programmed with lack. Um, most people are raised that we live in a limited universe. And because of that, they can't, they, a person will not think past whatever limits are in their mind that they were raised with as far as um, uh, whether it's a, like financial limits or it is the limit of how much success they can have or even as far as the happiness. Like some people just don't think that it's okay to be happy, believe it or not. So um, abundance, abundance was something that I got in, involved with as far as the thinking went because I realized how much of my life was being stopped when I by what I didn't know was possible because I didn't think you could go past certain certain rules, certain boundaries, certain uh, ways of being in life. So it's really just about removing the limits from a person's mind. How did you first, so I always think, you know, there's the things you know that you don't know, and then there's the things that you don't know that you don't know. And so how did you come upon in your life? Cause I know you talk about, you didn't grow up in this sort of family that had limitless abundant thinking. Um, how did you kind of come upon or, or start to realize that you had these limits? Um, well, the way, the way that I realized that I had the limits was that I had made a series of decisions that no longer just involved me, but involved other people. So I got, I got married and I had a couple of children relatively young. I was 23. I had quit high school. Um, I didn't have any kind of edu any further education beyond high school. And I found that I had created responsibilities that I couldn't fulfill. So I was uh, basically a laborer. I was working on a dock, driving a forklift, and I was stuck in that position for a long period of time. I could not seem to find a way out. And I, and I recognized that everything that I attempted to do to try to move myself forward did not work. So 
I was only left with changing one thing, and that was the way that I was thinking about what I was doing, which at the time sounded totally crazy to me. I didn't know if I was losing my mind or if I was actually on the verge of some kind of a breakthrough. I hadn't studied studied anything. I didn't know anything about self-improvement. I didn't know anything about professional development, nothing. And I changed my attitude. In 30 days, my income tripled. And I realized that I had been stopping myself, but I still didn't know how. I didn't know how, how changing my mind correlated with this breakthrough. So then I spent seven years studying. And that was that was kind of the impetus for me, like, okay, you're on to something here. You got to figure out what this is. And so I started studying and I realized how I had been stopping myself my whole life and the people that raised me, how they were stopping themselves and how society stops you know, just the message is not about moving forward, really. So, I mean, that's, that's how I realized it. Beautiful. When you, you talk about the, the three major things that are the three ways that you changed your mindset, would you mind sharing that with everybody? Yeah, sure. So I, I was, I was, I was basically had like this emotional breakdown one night. I was tired. I was just completely exhausted. Um, I was working two jobs all the overtime I could I could get and couldn't could not get for I just could not break through for anything. So I was trying to figure out a way to do this. And I just sat there in the back of this trailer and I was just crying. I was just sobbing. Like I was, I was tired, I was done, I was exhausted. And this little voice in my head said, change your attitude. So I started thinking about what I had just heard inside my own head. And I was thinking, what is that? Like what is what is my attitude? I've heard that before. Teachers used to say that when I was a kid in, in school. What, what exactly is it? And I took the guy that owned the company that I worked for, and I compared myself to him. And I said, what is different about him and myself, about just the way he is, like his being? And I recognized that he loved what he did. He did every job to the best of his ability and he treated people with total respect. So those were three things that stood out to me right away. So I thought to myself, I don't, that's not me. I hate what I'm doing. I do not treat people with respect. And I really don't care about the job that I'm doing. So I decided I was gonna change those three things. In changing those three things, I had no idea what was about to happen. But what, what literally took place was it, it allowed me to see what I couldn't see before. It totally opened doors for me as far as what I could conceive of myself doing that a bad attitude was keeping my mind closed to. So that's how my income tripled because I actually saw an opportunity that was around me for two years that I didn't recognize before making those three changes. Yeah, it's pretty, that's pretty amazing. And actually, um, I came to your seminar maybe two years ago and you said that on stage and I was working as a speech pathologist at the time. And I had started my business and I was just like, oh, this job, it's the job, the job. I don't want to do this because of the job. Uh, you know, it's not the right job. And I, I actually did that week. I was like, I trust David Nagel. I'm, I'm taking this advice. And um, I remember sitting down at a table with Steph and I'm like, you know, I've just always like really, I've had this dream of always like being on TV or doing something like this. And um, I remember Marla, I told the story a couple of weeks ago, but I remember Marla saying like, well, what do you want to be on TV for? And I was like, I don't know. It's just always been a dream of mine. And so I walked into work that, that Tuesday after the conference and I, I changed those three things. And 
it changed. I mean, my energy totally shifted. And what was really cool was one of my kiddos that I had been seeing for maybe a year and a half. Yeah. His mom and I just one day, I talked to her every time after his session and, you know, shared like, this is what we're doing. This is blah, blah, blah. I don't know what that week I was like, I'm shifting my energy. I'm doing things differently. And, um, she actually was like, we, we need, um, somebody to come on this TV show for, uh, you know, I, I ended up landing two morning TV news spots basically. And it was really just because I led with, I, I believe I led with an open heart and, um, I took the time to talk to her and respect her and just do things differently. And so, um, I've carried those three keys with me. So thank you for, for that. You're welcome. Yeah. Did you in that moment have any idea that, you know, that, that sounds to me like a low, like a low point, you're crying, you're upset, you're in this space. And it's like the moment that changed your life. Did you have any idea in that moment that your life was about to change trajectories from that? Like the feeling that you had within none. And that's the God's honest truth. None. I really did not. I was in such a place of like it had been, it had been several years of things just progressively getting worse. Um, I, I went bankrupt. I had my car repossessed. We had to, we had to leave our apartment building in the middle of the night because we couldn't get out of our lease, uh, move 60 miles away into low income housing. We were on food stamps. It was, it was bad. I mean, it was really, really bad. And I did, I was just trying to survive. I was trying to figure out why, First of all, I was trying to figure out why I couldn't get myself to to like be a good student when I was a kid, because, you know, my story about I had this accident in 1989 where I got sucked through a dam. I got separated from about water skiing and I was almost killed. So when I had that accident, what it what happened was I experienced the regret that a lot of people experience when they're 80 or 90 before they die and they realize they didn't do anything with their life. I experienced that in my early 20s. And I thought, if I die today, I leave nothing but problems to my children and my wife. I leave them with nothing but just messed up problems. And the reason for that is because I didn't study when I was a student in school. I could care less about school. I had a poor, I had a poor attitude. I had a poor upbringing. Um, and I couldn't figure out why I wasn't able to change my attitude around those things. So I became kind of fascinated with, I have to, I have to figure this out. Like there's something wrong with me. I've got to figure this out. So otherwise I'm, you know, I mean, how much worse can this possibly get? So then that began this, this process of like deep introspection. It was like, I had that one breakthrough and I'm like, okay, I'm onto something. Let me just hold on to this and see where that takes me. So it was basically, I stuck with that and then just built upon it as I learned. And of course, things just kept getting better and better and better and better. And it actually never got worse again. It it's been, so that was back in 19, early 90s, probably 90, 1992 is when that happened. Um, and from that point forward, it's done nothing but progressively get better. Beautiful. But I didn't know. But the answer to your question, that's a long answer to your question, but I didn't know. I really had no idea that I had just taken a fork in the road that was that that moment that I had made a different decision that totally changed my life on the other side. Was the, was um, when you were on the dock, I can't remember, was that before or after the accident? It was after. 
Okay. So this was something I actually wanted to, to talk about. You had said, I, I can't remember if it was an article or something you had said at some point about um, how you thought you'd get sucked through the dam, all of this happened. And then on the other side, things would just miraculously change, but they didn't. They didn't. Now, I, yeah, it was magical thinking, right? It was not understanding cause and effect. I thought, because here's what they told me. I mean, you kind of, I'm young, I'm very inexperienced. I'm, I was also very immature. And when I was in the emergency room, they had the Army Corps of Engineers who ran the dam, uh, they, they showed up, they had state police there, they had the uh, uh, fish and game people were there, uh, and the river rescue was there. And they said to me, how did you survive? Because we, like, and I'm laying on the table, like I'm on my back, I'm, I'm like an inch away from going into shock, right? I'm so like rattled. And they're asking me how I survived. And I'm like, I don't understand. What, what, are you, what are you saying? They're like, no, we really need to know how you survived. And I'm like, why? They said, because people go through this day, get sucked through this dam every year and they die. And we've only had one other person that lived and they're a quadriplegic. You made it out and you're like, you're hurt, but you're not any, it's not anything that's permanent. How did you manage to survive? And I told them, you know, the story of what happened, but I said, you know, I was like, that makes no sense to me. It would like preventing me from going through the dam to begin with would be, have been the, the correct thing. I said, why don't you put a cable across the river so that if a boat breaks down or somebody gets swept into the current, they can grab onto that and then they wouldn't get sucked through the dam. And they're like, well, we thought about that, but we thought it would get too much debris on it. So I was like, I'm, I'm really confused at this point. Like, what's going on here? This makes this, this is a crazy conversation. I'm, I'm laying here in pain. They're trying to stitch me up because I got all these lacerations and everything. And when I, on the way home, I'm thinking to myself, why didn't I die? Like, there must be a reason I didn't die. Like, if only one person has ever survived going through this and I'm the second one, like, there's a reason that I lived. I need to find out what that is. Now, I now I was thinking, okay, so this happened. This must be God is involved in this in some way because I had a religious upbringing. So now God is going to show me what's next. But nothing happened. It just kept getting worse. So I didn't know at that point that the it was kind of a wake-up call for me. It was really for me to reflect on this is the direction that my life is going. If I don't, if I don't change, like yeah, you could give it any meaning that you want. The, the, the point was, was that it woke me up to the fact that I was not, I was not applying myself to life. I was showing up as the wrong person. So, you know, that one thing led to another, but I think that the, the important point about this story is that everything that showed up, I said yes to. Not, it, it was hard. I was scared. I didn't have the money to do things like buy books and go to seminars, but I found a way to be able to do it anyway. I found money. And every, one thing led to another that led to another that led to another. And I kept growing as a person. And eventually, you know, seven years later, I ended up starting my own company. Amazing. That is um, truly amazing. And I, I, um, I'm Dan, I don't know if you have any questions, but I'm like, I could probably ask David questions for probably 12 more hours. So if there's I something have, on the I top have of copious, your mind, copious notes 
um, <laughs> copious notes. There's a couple of things I just wanted to quickly chime in. Um, first of all, thank you for not dying. Hello. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, Jess and I um, refer to God Universe Source because I don't know how you guys feel about it, but for me, the names that we use that create this illusion of separation mean nothing when you just really just tie to what that thing is, whether you want to call it God, universe, source, whatever, whether you see it inside, you, outside of you on, on a throne, in a cloud. What's more important for me personally is what you do with the connection to that thing and how it empowers you to show up. So whichever name is responsible, thank you very much for giving us David for being mm -hmm. here today. There's a couple of things I really just want to make sure that the audience zing back to as they reflect on what you said. Firstly, it took you seven years of doing work on yourself before you were ready to open up your own company. That's and right. for all we know, you may not have even been ready at that time. There may have been other things that you needed to do, but looking at the way that you have shown us that you dealt with the rest of it, as in you didn't wait for some magical time or some magical point in the clouds to show up before you started going for it. You did the work. When the way seemed blocked, you made it happen because you were more committed to bringing in that change that you knew would result in changes in your life than the stories that we sometimes tell ourselves about not going forward. I haven't got enough money. I haven't got enough time. I'm too tall. I'm too short. I'm too whatever. No, you just went for it. And thank you for being that example for people to go for it and to recognize that sometimes it may take seven years. So thank you. Yeah. I, I think those are absolutely fantastic points. Um, I actually did a, uh, a podcast this morning talking about that seven-year journey. So it's interesting that there must be something going on in the in the universe right now that it keeps bringing that up. But it's true. I mean, I tell I tell people that, and they're like, "Okay, so but how did you become a millionaire? Like, how did you do that so fast?" And I'm like, "It was fast. It depends on how you're looking at it. Was it mm -hmm. fast? I mean, there was seven years of work I did on myself to prepare myself to be able to do that." when the when the time when the opportunity presented itself so yes when the opportunity presented itself i was able to make that happen quickly but it was also seven years of preparation on me that allowed me to have the confidence and the skill sets and the understanding and i mean it was it was and and the other thing that i think is very important i was not doing it for that reason i was doing it because i was trying to become a better person I wasn't mm. looking at that point to become a millionaire. I wasn't even looking to start a business at that point. I mean, I knew eventually <laughs> I wanted to get there, but I didn't even know what I wanted to do at the time. So it was really about, I wanted to be, to learn how to become the best me that I could become. And I had a lot of mixed messages growing up as a kid. So, you know, I had a religious message. I had a, a message, um, it was kind of like the Chicago street message, you know, because I grew up pretty much on the streets of Chicago. It was, a, which is like a survival thing. Um, I had message, like my parents didn't agree on a lot. They got divorced when I was 13. I uh, didn't see much of them after that for like for several years because they were really wrapped up in their own drama in, in life. And so there was, so I didn't know, I didn't know, is this the right way to be? Is this the right way to be? I didn't know how to be a man. I didn't know how to be a husband. I didn't know how to be a father. And I was like, I'm going to figure this out because I do not want my kids to have to go through what I'm going through. So I, I need to figure this out. I, I need to learn how to be a responsible human being. 
that's beautiful and thank you so much for sharing that because i think again some of these points that you just raised and one i'm going to circle back to <clears throat> something you said about when you initially tripled your income it's it's this whole thing of and this comes again to the whole idea of abundance that we're looking at through this series you just showed up and worked with you and that ended up reflecting in an expansion in what you experienced in your environment you didn't go in with this intention of i'm going to make a lot of money you went in with the intention of i'm going to level up who i am i see these things in my past i don't want to be beholden to those i want to expand beyond it and as a result abundance ended up and i'm sure there's other forms of abundance that showed up along the way as well probably more love probably more joy the friendships that you probably encouraged and had around you probably shifted based on who you were as a person and what you didn't didn't allow into your experience and the money which for me personally i know jess and i've spoken about this before money's just an energy that we use to exchange right and right. sometimes money isn't even what you need relationship capital sometimes can do the same job as money sometimes um just being a decent person brings in a, an energy of gift that gives us those things that we feel that we needed the money for so again thanks for that and the other thing which i really want to make sure that the audience catch because you slipped past it very, very slickly, but it's a really powerful thing that when you initially first tripled your income, when you started this journey, it was an opportunity that was already there, but because of who you were as a person, you weren't aligned to see it perhaps before that point. Absolutely. So it, it was fascinating to me because when it happened, when my income tripled, when I, when I recognized this opportunity, I also recognized that it had been there for two years while I was suffering in my own drama for two years. And I couldn't understand why I couldn't see it or why I didn't see it. And I, and I was like, somebody, there's got to be something to that. Like, I'm not a stupid person, but one day it was there. And before that, it just wasn't there. This was not something that I saw as an opportunity. So when I got... I don't remember when this actually happened, but at some point or another, I came across Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. And in the introduction of the book, there's something called the sly disguises of opportunity. And it's a little paragraph. And it basically says when opportunity comes, it often comes disguised. And I read it and I was thinking, and, and he said, because most people view opportunity as misfortune or temporary defeat or being unfortunate or whatever. And I was like, that's it. I saw it, this opportunity as something I didn't want to experience in life. So it didn't seem like an opportunity. And when I changed my attitude, I now saw it from a different perspective. And now I saw the opportunity in the opportunity. So the shift in the story created a shift in the experience. It did totally. Mm. It totally did. And what astounded me was how fast the quality of my life changed because of that shift in my attitude, which shifted my perception, which allowed me to then step into something that was around me. So then, then that opened up even more questions. Like, is that, is that the way it is for everybody? Is this, is it that the opportunity is all is already there for every person? So when I started, which then introduced me to the laws of the universe, and as I began to study those, I recognized and realized that, yes, it is. It's there for every single person because the law of polarity states that everything has an opposite, and it's equal and opposite. So it it's, and then Price Pritchett, who wrote U Squared, said something brilliant. He said, the absence of evidence is not evidence of its absence. Hmm. So... <clears throat> 
then I became, when I became a coach, one of the first things I coached people on was I was looking for business owners that were having trouble because they, they, their state of mind didn't allow them to become resourceful. And I was teaching them these principles that I knew and we were, and I was flipping their businesses around like in record time, um, helping them get over seven figures or whatever it is that they were trying to do just by applying those laws and changing their attitude. And then I built upon that over, over time, but that's how I started because that's what I had experience doing. And I, and I, in the seven years that I was studying, I was also taking those principles and I was applying them to the company that I worked for, which I helped them increase their revenue by tens of millions of dollars just by doing that within that company, because they had the same blind spots. Like I was just shocked that people everywhere had these blind spots. And if you would apply these laws and show them how to use them, it was amazing the opportunity that people were missing. So it just, like I said, it just, it just kept getting better. What are some of the most common blind spots that you see with your clients or even within that company? Well, with that, with that company, it was pride, actually. Um, they, they were the best at what they did, but they were in no way as good as they could be. So they were kind of hanging their hat on being the best and they weren't growing anymore because they were the best and nobody else really wanted to do what, what they did. So they were the biggest game in town when it came to direct fuel and emergency, emergency fuel delivery. But they were missing on so many other opportunities because they had fear. Their fear caused them to be arrogant on their own, on their own pride, the, the way that they saw the world and the way that they saw their, their business. And I said, no, there's something else here, right? So I had to, I had to break the rules big time and really put my job at risk to, to show them that what they were missing. But when the money started coming in, they were ecstatic over that. But it, but it's interesting though, because the opposite side of that would be shame, right? So they were avoiding making a mistake so that they didn't experience shame, which is a big reason why so many people don't succeed. They don't heal their own shame in life and they just walk around trying to cover it up. So that creates a huge blind spot. Yeah, we, we, um, Dan and I did another series, uh, like maybe six or seven weeks back. And we were talking about, you know, shifting your thoughts, shifting your, your emotions, um, and taking action, like different types of action. And, um, my question is around emotions. Cause I find that, that like you're talking about fear, shame, doubt, all of these things, um, can really stop someone from taking action. What are some of the ways in which you've found, um, like maybe for somebody who's just starting out, who's like, yeah, I'm in this job. I'm not happy. I know I want to do something different. Um, the ways in which to not allow emotions to overtake and paralyze someone when they're first starting out. I, I think that so, so there's a little bit of understanding that a person has to have because a, a person's emotional world becomes their whole world if they don't understand what the emotions represent. Like there's a bigger picture than just the emotion that the person is feeling. They have a story that's wrapped around that emotion. Every person does. What does the emotion mean to you? What's causing you to experience that emotion? Where did it start in your childhood, right? Because that's where it was learned. So if a person understands th this first core principle, which we're only born with two fears, the fear of 
falling and the fear of loud noises. Every other fear is learned. So when we experience emotions that stop us, we have to under take a look at nature, for instance, like nature does not get stopped by the same things that we do. And we've got the highest intellect of any known animal that there is, right? Which is, I always think is pretty fascinating because it can be both the gift and the curse type thing. So um, when a person is experiencing the emotions, I think part of the idea is to, to understand what is the story that they're telling themselves? So I'll, what I did for me personally was if I experienced an emotion, what I did was I, I became introspective of it. And I said, "What? this is very interesting. What? Why are you experiencing this? But I did it from a place of taking responsibility for it. So when I was younger, Jess, I would have blamed you. Like if I felt something that I didn't want to feel, I would have blamed you. Like it's your fault that I'm feeling this way. You said this to me. And that wasn't nice. So now you hurt my feelings, that type of thing. But what I changed was personal responsibility. So um, a mentor of mine was teaching me that you can change anything you want in your life and you can create anything that you want if you're willing to take 100% responsibility for everything that you experience. And for a lot of people, that's a really tough thing. But what it does is it puts you in a power position because now you take your power back. People that are emotionally triggered throughout their life are giving their power away to the thing that's triggering them. So what they want is that thing to change so that they don't feel bad or they don't feel jealousy or anger or envy or resentment or whatever it is that they're, that they're feeling. If they take responsibility and say, okay, I, I may not know how I'm causing this, but I know that I am because it's, it's happening inside of me. So why am I having this experience? What is it about this that, that, I, that I'm supposed to be seeing or learning about what's taking place right now? And you start unraveling these stories. So it's like you're reverse engineering what caused them to begin with. And of course, we all know that, it, that they all originate from childhood wounds. Um, and then they're stored in our subconscious mind. And then life then reflects those back to us the older that we get. But if they're not changed, they progressively get worse. It, they, it, there is no staying the same. It progressively will get worse until a person changes it because that's just the law of nature. Nature only allows what is strong and, and adding to life to continue to move forward. If at any point anything in nature starts to take away from life, it will then just destroy it. It, it disintegrates it and, and it breaks it down and makes it start over again. Um, so with a person... If a person says, I'm willing to take 100% responsibility for everything that I think, everything that I feel, and everything that I do and experience, including my results, and look at it from a perspective of how am I creating this? What am I doing to create this? So that means that you're, you're developing the courage to look at things in your life that may not feel good and say, I'm creating it, but now I need to know how so I can change it. Now we're starting to empower ourselves. And when you start to realize how you're creating these things and you start to change them, I think that it, it creates more enthusiasm in the person to want to change because they really see, oh, wow, I am doing this. Like I did this, I created this problem. Now I know how I created it. Now I can see how, how I can change this. That excited me like crazy. When I saw that I could actually change my results because prior to that, I really didn't think that I could. I didn't know you could. I just, I was raised 
very disempowered. Like every, my mother was the perpetual victim, right? If, if you could, she, she lived in complete total fear, but she had no reasonable explanation as to why the things in her life were happening. It was just like, just because type of a scenario. So when I found that you could literally change your experience by changing your emotions, by creating a new story of what something meant, I was like, I thought that I had hit the jackpot in life. Like that was the greatest thing that I had ever experienced because you could change it. And um, Dan, what you were saying earlier about um, uh, like friendships, like having different friendships, yeah. I totally cleaned house on friends. I went through all of the friends that were toxic and I got rid of those friends and I started surrounding myself with people that had vision and purpose and they were studying and they had different, totally different value system. So, you know, everything in your life does change as a, as a result of that. But for a person that's just starting out, I think the first thing is responsibility. You'll never change anything until you take back responsibility for yourself. You have to do that first. I think Jess is going to know why I'm now vomiting rainbows because so David, my, my, my tool that I created is called beyond intention and step one of beyond intention is accept. And what accept is, is I accept that everything that's shown up for me, I've created and anything that will show up will show up because I'm responsible for creating it. So I am all in with the Kool-Aid on that one. Beautiful, man. <laughs> we had on another guest like uh, probably 10 weeks ago and she she lovingly, um, Alex Agresta lovingly called it the friends cleanse. Um, as she started out on her journey, she had her friends cleanse. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I what is it? The, it's like the five people you spend the most time around are the people yeah. that you become. Yeah. It's very true. It is very, very true. I agree with that. Whoever came up with that was brilliant, but it's, you know, and the other thing is that another thing that I learned around that, that's really interesting was my mentor said to me one time, he said, anything that you do not consciously reject, you subconsciously accept. He said, so you have to be very careful around what you're exposing yourself to on a regular basis, because if you're not consciously rejecting something that's negative, and you're not intentionally trying to be around anything that's negative, but I mean, you can pick up negativity in the grocery store, waiting in line, the people behind you are talking about how expensive everything is and the world is falling apart and Trump and you know, like that stuff is going into your subconscious mind if you're not rejecting it. And before you know it, a week down the road, all of a sudden you start having a bad experience and you don't know what's causing this. You gotta stop and say, what did I let get in my head? Because oh now gosh. it's manifesting yeah. in my life, right? So that you have, like, you have to really be careful because your subconscious mind—that's what your subconscious mind is designed to do. It's designed to take in information and then run it on autopilot, so that you don't have to think about it. So, but that also happens when we're not paying attention to what we're being exposed to. So when you reject something in your mind, are you like? somebody's you hear people behind you at the grocery store talking about something do you just plug into what you believe in or okay okay yeah, i think the opposite i think i don't give their conversation energy i just focus on the truth i remind myself of what's true that you know this is what's true this is what's real this is what i want my experience to be and i don't i don't allow that to get into my mind and i'll tell you something else jess if 
I start having weird experiences like that's outside of the norm of what I manifest for my life, I immediately stop and go, what, what is it that got in my head? What's going? Because I know, I know instantly. I mean, but I'm doing it for so long that I know instant. It's like a, a guitar being out of tune or something. Mm -hmm. I, if I start manifesting things on a regular basis that are just not the results that I want, I know something got in my subconscious mind. And oh I'm pretty gosh, figuring yeah. out where it came from. Like I can, I can pretty much pinpoint it. I'm, I'm like having a visceral reaction, like want to cry a little bit. Dan no. and I, no. Dan no. and I talk a lot about we, um, we. I was down in Mexico with Dan, and we're walking down the beach, and I'm thinking in my head, like very, very intensely. I, I love Dan very much, but I was listening to him, but I was also checking out what was happening on the beach, and there's this guy selling this purple blanket, and I'm like, I gotta have that purple blanket. Like I'm thinking it in my head. I'm like, I gotta have it. And he stops out of nowhere, and he's like, I don't know why, but I very intensely right now in this moment feel like I need that purple blanket, but I don't want it. And so it's kind of funny because. <laughs> You know, the more the more that I practice, um, you know, I, I want to ask you a little bit about the law of attraction as well, because I think you posted something on Facebook about the action part of it the other day. But the more that I become attuned to my own thoughts, the more that I'm starting to see outside of myself, like I was in the car the other day with my aunt and I'm, I'm messaging one of our once uh, somebody was coming on the radio show and she's in Australia and I'm looking up times in Australia and my aunt and I are very much in alignment with each other. And out of nowhere, she starts telling me this story about Australia and the dingoes and all, like something. And I'm like, it is wild to me just to start to see, to watch my own thoughts and to see even where this thing that maybe I don't even say out loud literally will show up seconds later outside of me. Um, so it's really cool to the more that I learn, the more I tune into and anybody who's listening, um, highly recommend David's podcast, the successful mind podcast, um, life-changing podcast for me. So highly recommend it to anybody who's, um, out there listening and enjoying what they're hearing, but it is really, the mind is so powerful. Um, yeah. what you're talking about is called thought transference hmm. and our mind is both ascending and a, and a receiving station, right? So anything that we send out that is on the same frequency, if somebody else is on the same frequency, they're going to pick up your thoughts, your thought patterns, but they're going to think they're their own, yeah. right? Yeah. It is. It's, it's totally fascinating. If I will, if all of a sudden something pops into my mind with that I was not thinking about, I'll think to myself, who did I just tap into? Because that's not my thought. And you could do it with emotions too. Hmm. Like you can pick up something out. So this is, you probably have seen me do this in events where I can just like totally read a person. I can pick up exactly what it is that if I focus on you, I can pick up what you're feeling and I can instantly know all about you. But you have to, and anybody can do this. Everybody has the ability to do it. Pay attention to when your emotional state changes for no apparent reason and you're picking up somebody else's emotions. And when you realize it, so if you ask yourself, is there any reason that my emotional state would have changed on my own? Did something happen? If there's not, you're picking up somebody else's emotions. And that's like a person's energy could change in a second doing that. But you could find out a lot about a person when you start understanding how to read them. Yeah. And again, I think that comes back exactly to what you were saying, because I've recently noticed just how much this um, is, is a, a part of my own life. I mean, I, 
I work in metaphysical, you know, my business is very metaphysical. Um, but I've re recently noticed, um, and, and just continued to plug into my vision for myself of what, um, you know, what I desire so I can know like, Oh, is this mine or is this not? But I think that's really powerful. And especially looking at, you know, what am, what kind of environments am I in? What is my home environment? Like who's coming into my house, you know, who's coming into my workspace, all of that, like really being mindful of, of again, the people you energetically allow into your space is really important. Um, so David, you talked about, um, the law of attraction recently and some, what are some of the things that you see out there on the law of attraction and manifesting that like where, where we're missing the boat from a, a mainstream perspective? Well, I think, I think what happened was when, when the secret came out, uh, in 06 or whatever it was, um, you know, Rhonda did a pretty good job with it, but they intentionally left out a lot of the work part of it in, uh, in that book and in the movie. And I, a lot of people glommed onto the idea that, oh, I could change my life just by changing my thinking. And what they don't understand is that it's changing your thinking while you're doing the things that you would normally be doing. That, that will have a profound effect on the outcome. So if you're thinking something negative while you're doing your job versus thinking something positive while you're doing your job, it's going to have a very different outcome on not just the quality of the work, but your your own emotional state while you're working and what you what you attract into your life as a result of, of doing that. Um, I think that it's 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 fascinating to watch people because people hear what they want to hear right i don't think that any, that there's i mean maybe there are people that are intentionally leaving the work part of it out but it it really is about you have to like how can i put this so when i started my business i tell people all the time i worked 15 hours a day 7 days a week for probably the first seven years that I was in business. I, I consistently worked. I made a lot of money. I had a lot of great accomplishments and it was not me sitting in a chair, just thinking about what I wanted and manifesting it. I was working my butt off doing it and I enjoyed every minute of it. I really did because that's the way that I trained myself to think. I wasn't going to do something that I didn't like and I wasn't going to repeat repetitive thoughts that caused me to be miserable. So I practiced gratitude, appreciation. I really stayed focused in what was important for me while I was while I was working. But I worked. I mean, I really and I still work. I, I work very long hours, but I love doing what I'm doing. I'm not complaining that I work long hours. But I think that that's what people they they are they want to get the result and they don't want to have to do the work. And, and here's why I think this is though, because it's not natural. So anytime I see something in human behavior that's not natural, like you don't see it anywhere else in nature, it causes me to wonder how did that get started? So most people experience success in the last, let's say hundred years, based on the idea that we don't see somebody who's successful until they become famous. They become a celebrity. We don't see what they did to be to become a celebrity or to become famous. We don't see all the years of work and practice that they put in to master their craft, whatever that might be. We just see the end result. And but our mind does can't make sense of that. So it has to come up with a story around it. So when I was a kid, 
the stories were you had to be a genius, smart person. You had to go to school for a million years to become good enough to do something. You had to be, um, uh, if you were to be rich, it was that you had to know someone or you had to be a crook. There was another, those are like the only two ways that you could become rich. So they, there was no cause and effect in my parents' minds as to this is what you have to do in order to get this result. So my mind did not know how to put, how do I become a big success and what I have to do in order for that to happen together. There, it was, that's why I had the, the crazy thought of after I went through the demo, now God's going to do something. So people go into magical thinking, right? Because they don't understand the cause and effect lineage of what has to happen in order for you to have the success that you want. So I think that's kind of how it gets started, right? And then people create stories around that. And then those stories become absolute rules in their mind. And if they don't get it, then they become victims or they become entitled. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, that, um, I can, I can relate. And I'm sure a lot of people out there can probably relate to, to the idea of that the, we don't, uh, the stories and the the results we have, we don't always create a cause and re- cause and effect uh, correlation between the two. Very much. Yeah, you had said. Um, I, I think again, I'm like I feel like I'm just pulling out my David Nagel book inside of my head of all the things <laughs> that I've learned over the years. But you talked about how money money comes from spirit through people. Yeah. Right. Is that how it goes? Yeah. 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 And everything comes from one source, right? Which you can call it the universe, spirit, God, you, whatever you're comfortable calling it. And it comes from that, from that original source. And it comes through people. Money is a tool to be used to help make our life better. And for the exchange of products and services outside of that, it has no other use. That's it. So most people try to get money from other people instead of communicating directly with source and then allowing themselves to be guided to where that transaction is going to happen the the easiest. If they do it that way, they find that actually they can make a lot of money in a short period of time and really do a great service both for themselves and whoever they're interacting with on that plane. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. The, um, I'm again, I'm like, I didn't realize how many things I referenced back to you, David, but I'm thinking of the story, something that you, you talked about, um, when I think it was the network marketing book that you pulled out from your, when you were, had run out of ideas yeah. on where to find people. And you just had an article on CNBC about the five powerful, um, traits that separate successful millionaires from, from everybody else. And you talked about how, um, they know that ideas come at unexpected times. I think that's what you said. Mm-hmm. So when you, it, if you've ever been in a place in your life or somebody out there who's listening, that's like feeling kind of stuck, what do you do or allow um, to bring yourself back into alignment with knowing that it's always there or um, that there has to be, you know, when you give yourself the mind, your mind, the space to come up with a creative solution or whatever it may be, how do you get yourself back to that place? So being stuck is not a natural state in the universe. The universe operates in flow. So if we're stuck, we have to ask ourselves what would cause us to be stuck and what it is. The first, like with every client that I have, if they call me and tell me that they're stuck, I ask them, what are they resisting? So it's what are you resisting being, doing, or receiving in your life 
because that's what's causing you to be stuck. It's resistance. Resistance causes us, the universe doesn't hold anything back. The universe is more eager for you to get what you need to grow than you are to receive it. So when you understand that, that the universe doesn't hold anything back, you become the, the cog in the wheel that is, that is something's wrong, that's keeping that abundance from flowing into your life. So that's why I say, what, what is it that you're resisting? And then we start working there on that, on that thing. What are you resisting? What is the opportunity or the thing that you should be doing in your life right now that you have resistance around? And they don't always have to match up. Like you could have major resistance in your marriage and it's manifesting in your paycheck, right? So I will look for any area of a person's life where they've got major resistance going on that's causing that blockage uh, where the flow is not, is not coming in. I, Dan, I just see you over there. Just, yeah. (laughs) Do you know, I, David, there's this thing that I I'm obsessed with and that's this idea that truth is just truth. It's universal. And whenever you follow the threads of truth, they all come to the same thing. Although different people say in different ways, it's just like, I talk about purple brick theory, when you take different religions, strip away tradition, um, man's interference and manipulations, language, cultural differences, and take everything to its root, really everyone's saying the same thing. So I, for one, just want to honor right now (laughs) the way that you're taking these truths in such an easy to digest, irrefutably simple way. I mean, being stuck is not a natural state. Hello, It, it makes sense. But you need sometimes someone to just to say it out loud and put it in yeah. in a way that you can you can really consume it because like you said i mean i always talk about going back to nature like nature does not have lack it, it just doesn't have lack and when right. we're looking for what's natural we can go to nature so thank you for just reminding us i mean i've got a lot of notes it's 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 you know nature has been a, a like because when you start to study and you start to unwind your own life and unpack things, it can get confusing, right? It can really get taxing on your mind. And one of the things that I learned was, like you said, there's only one truth. So I will look to nature and say, does this exist in nature? Like this, this idea, this principle, this problem, does this exist somewhere in nature that's undisturbed by man? And if the answer is no, that it doesn't, then I know that there's something going on in me or with somebody else or whatever in the equation that's wrong, right? If you're confused, something that you're evaluating in your mindset is not true. Because there is no confusion in the universe. It's all, it's clarity. The universe is extremely clear. So if there's something in your life that is confusing, it's because something you're evaluating in your mind is not true. Wow. Can you say that? I just want to, I'm going to, that's going to get my quote list. By the way, over the next little while, you're going to see this random person tagging you on quotes <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> and that's me, just all the goodness of today's session just <laughs> on the gram. So thank you for the content. Um, yeah, just go back to, uh, if there's a lack of clarity, you're out of alignment with what's true with nature. Find the source of that and deal with it. And it's inside of you. I love that. I'm, yeah. I'm happy. We have just a couple of minutes left. So David, one last question. If you could sure. tell your younger self anything that the the before pre-dam 
before the whole, your whole beginning of your journey, what would you, what would you tell yourself or what advice would you give yourself? You know, it, it's, I think that this is a brilliant question. I've heard lots of people ask people that they're interviewing this question. And, and I've actually never been asked it before, which is fascinating because I've done thousands of interviews. And I always thought to myself, what, what, what would I, how would I answer that? And I honestly don't think, as much as I would love to be able to go back and talk to my, myself when I was a kid, I don't know that interrupting that process would be a smart thing because I needed to go through what I needed to go through to be the person that I am now. And if I was to go back and interfere and move one of those puzzle pieces, I may not be the person that I am now. And I like the person that I am now. So I, I think I wouldn't say anything. I think I would just be like, let him go through what he needs to go through. He'll get there. I of- love it. I, I set an intention before this. I said, I'm going to ask David one question that he's never been asked before. So I'm so glad. <laughs> that- <Yeah. laughs> so David, where can people find you um, and learn more about, about your work and, and how you help people? Um, they can they just go to our website, davidnagel.com. Uh, they can look up our podcast, the, Su- the Successful Mind Podcast. Um, and yeah, they're like, everything you want to find out about us is there. Excellent. Well, David, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, thank you. I hope thank everybody you. out there has enjoyed all of these wisdom nuggets. I promise David's work will change your life. So go ahead and follow him. Follow him on Instagram. Um, on uh, Follow his podcast all the things because it will it will change your life so david thank you again um and yeah i hope everybody out there has a wonderful wonderful day yeah and by the way before just just us we have to talk about us huh yeah so like check us out (laughs) and on facebook Uh, if you love this show and you'd like to hear some more of the rest of the shows go to methodmeetsmagic.com that will take you to where you can go and check out our archives uh jess where you at on Instagram? Tell them, Mamacita. At Jess underscore Bubbico, B-U-B-B-I-C-O. I love the way you say that. I'm Dreamer CEO. This has been Method Meets Magic, where we take this magical stuff, we take that practical stuff, we bring it together, we find that middle space where you can have the life that you desire. We bring you the Nagels of the world, we bring you the J-Bubs of the world, and we bring you the Dan Mangenas of the world. Thank you so much, and you take it. Dan, I was going to say one last thing. Do you want to tell people what you're up to this week in case anybody wants to follow along? Woo! Five-day challenge started today. We are having fun. Um, We've had some interesting eruptions on that. But yeah, go ahead, dreamwithdan.com forward slash challenge. If you're a day late, it's cool. Come and join us. We are taking you through the Ideal Life Blueprint. Yeah, Ideal Life Blueprint. Go ahead and check me out on, uh, on YouTube. There's a little video about it. Jess is in it too. Say hi, Jess. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And then you can, I have an upcoming class that is starting. It's called Awaken Academy. You can head over to my website, jessbubbacocom slash awaken dash academy dash 2019. This is for anybody who is starting on their spiritual path and opening to their gifts and ready to really embrace them and go out there and uh, help the world, help the world find their power. All right. That's it from us today. Sending so much love to everybody out there in the Mm -hmm. universe. Have a great and magical day. And week.